I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned
I don't know how you've come in here this morning. A lot of times there, there are seasons we go through life and you're like, you just feel unloved. But C.S. Lewis says this, says, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. You can rest assured on his word that no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through or how you feel this morning, you can know without a doubt that you are loved by an awesome God. And I hope today that you can worship him knowing that great truth. We want to welcome you to our service today. We're so glad that you joined us. If you're visiting with us, we would encourage you to do what is most convenient for you. You can fill out the care card in your bulletin. You can scan the QR code to uh, just fill out a simple guest card. But either way, we'd love to have a record of your visit and encourage you to stop by our guest table and pick up a guest bag that has some information about our church. Uh, But right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand. And as you stand, I want to make a couple of announcements. Just a reminder that tonight there will be no adult Bible study, uh, but we will have a WANA and youth study going on tonight, but no adult study. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and we'll be observing the Lord's Supper. And anytime we have that or any other special services, we will not have kids' worship. So next Sunday there will not be kids' worship. We will observe the Lord's Supper. And then next Sunday night we will have care um, outreach nights. We'll be making contacts, writing cards, making visits. So we encourage you to be a part of that next Sunday night. But right now, before we worship, take a minute to welcome your neighbor, welcome them to the service, and say hello if you haven't met them yet.
and good morning. I want to read this uh, text out of James chapter 5. Now listen to what James says. This is the Lord's brother. He says, brethren, which means he's talking to the church. If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. That's the honor and the privilege of helping somebody come to know Jesus. Amen. And one of the great focuses of this time of prayer, of course, you should pray for yourself and your family. I'd encourage you to pray for the church this morning as well. But also pray for that lost person that God has on your heart. You're one, if you will. I was approached by someone uh, this morning. I'm not going to mention a name. But he has someone in his life who is uh, almost has a terminal illness and doesn't know Jesus. And he would like for us to pray for him. So when uh, this, this time of prayer is opened up, I would encourage you to lift this person up in prayer, okay? And also, if there's anyone in your life who doesn't know the Lord, please let's lift them up to, to the Lord in prayer this morning, okay? So as the choir and the praise team lead us in this song, if you will, meet me here at the altar, and let's pray for the lost in Alexander County and in your families and uh, in your workplaces as well. Thank you. Lord, we lift up, Lord, loved ones, co-workers, neighbors, Father, who don't know you. And Lord, I pray that you would bless our witness. Lord, give us open doors. Father, ultimately, we pray that you would, you would touch. Lord, there are people in this church who have witnessed to friends and family members their whole Christian lives. And, Lord, they hadn't responded yet. Lord, we, we pray that they would. That's our prayer. God, we know that that's the hope of heaven. And, Father, we, we pray that you would encourage those who have lost loved ones and friends. Father, I know that, Lord, I wrote a person's name down the day after I got saved. And, Lord, they're still lost. And, Father, I pray for their salvation. Lord, they mean a lot to me. And, Lord, I pray that you'd save them. Lord, all we can do is share, share the gospel, love them, and pray for them. And, Father, the rest is up to you and them. And, Father, we pray that you'd save for your honor and for your glory. Lord, uh, it's like Spurgeon said, if someone goes to hell, let them at least go over our bodies, Lord, pleading with them to come to Christ. Father, we have the best news that the world needs. And, Father, I pray that we'd always share it. I pray that that would be our number one purpose here after worshiping you is sharing the gospel with the lost and dying world. And Father, help us to speak your truth, but help us to do it in love. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you're going to do through the prayers that are prayed during this prayer time today. Father, we, we want to thank you in advance for those that you're going to save, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lord, I
and you may be seated. You're justified. That means that you're declared not guilty, which means every sin that you committed. See, a lot of people, this is what I thought as a young Christian. I knew all the sins I committed up to Jesus, or most of them, not good. <laughs> Trust me, not good, okay? God forgave those. What I thought as a young Christian was then, since the time I got saved, I got to confess every day for forgiveness of all those sins. All those sins were forgiven as well. Do you understand that? See, if your theology's right, you can live life. Okay? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Liberty? You're justified, church. Every sin you committed up until the point you were saved is forgiven. Every sin you committed afterwards. All right? You're not going to stand before God one day and give an account of your sin. That's already been paid for on Calvary's cross. Aren't you thankful? What a blessing that you're, you know, I, I remember hearing a pastor one time say, guys, I want you to understand, we're going to stand before God one day. This is back when, you remember uh, VHS tapes? That's how long ago it's been. God's going to put in his VHS tape of your life, and everything you said or done is going to be on the screen for the whole world to see. I said, what a blessed thought. <laughs> That's not true. That's just bad theology, Okay. It's not going to happen. Your sins have been paid for. You're not going to give an account of your sins because Christ paid for those on the cross. He goes on to say, God's justification exempts us from God's condemnation. Praise the Lord. But it does not exempt us from God's evaluation. All right? You're going to stand before a father, okay? And some of you maybe were like me. My mom and dad divorced when I was three. Right? So my relationship with my father is probably not like yours. Some of you had good relationships with your dad. Some of you had bad ones. God's not your daddy. He's your father. He's the best of the best. Okay? And you're going to give, listen, God's justification exempts us from God's condemnation, 
but it does not exempt us from God's evaluation. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Point number one, God will judge us as a father. Notice the verse on the screen. Since you look at the word call, that's very important. That word literally means, it's used in the Greek to refer to calling upon a deity for any purpose, especially for aid. Now, the lost people did this as well. They would understand that word. They would call upon Baal or Asherah. Uh, The Romans would call upon Zeus or Thor. You're calling upon somebody that has more authority than you. And what Peter is saying is that you're going to call upon. Notice these verses on the screen in Romans. It says, And it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. That's the word call. It means that you're calling on somebody because they can do for you what you can't do for yourself. They have the legal standing in heaven to do it. I'm lost. I need to be forgiven. And only placing my faith in Jesus can save me. Look, look at Stephen. Whenever he preached to the Jewish people and they got upset at him, they started to stone him and they killed him, the first martyr of the church after the resurrection. It says, and they went on stoning Stephen as he, look at the word, called upon the Lord on his deathbed. He calls upon somebody with more authority and more power than him. Okay? He calls upon the Lord Jesus Christ to receive my spirit. So what Peter is saying is this, you call upon someone, Asaph says this in the Psalms, he says, oh give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. When I pray, I, I call upon the Lord. I call upon my Father. Jesus says, when you pray, you pray, hallowed be your name, Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You call upon him. In Mark's gospel, Jesus says, Abba, Father, All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. Even Jesus called upon, the word, in verse 17, someone with greater authority at that time. Okay, But who do you call upon? Peter says this, you call upon your father. Your father. Notice what John says. He says this in John 12, but as many as received him, That's what I did when I was 20, okay? I was lost, and then I received Jesus into my life. I received him. I called upon him and said, Lord, I need you to save me. To them, he gave the legal right in heaven, okay? Every every term about your salvation is legal, okay? He gives you the right, the privilege, by God's law to become children of God. That's an amazing thought. That's something that really, now I was a thinker, Still am, I hope. All right. When I was 20, I said, God's my dad. He's my father. God is my father. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay? God is your father. And today, either God is your father or God is not. Have you called upon the Lord as your father? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. I will be a father to you, quoting God, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. What a tremendous thought. I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, the Lord Almighty. The father-son concept begins early in the Old Testament. God called the nation Israel his son, his firstborn son. And when they failed to live up to God's standards, he says, I'm going to pick a person. I picked David. David's my son, and all of David's descendants will be my sons. And then after that failed, God says, I'll just send my son. (laughs) And you can have faith in me through 
my son. But the thing you got to understand is this, that this father of yours will also be your judge. And because of that, that leads me to point two. God, as your father, will judge impartially. Notice what the verse says again in verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. That means not receiving face. God does not receive anybody's face. He is impartial. Outward appearance, wealth, culture, social position, family background, education, beauty, intellect, all things that more or less sway the opinions of man do not count with God when it comes to appraising a person's character or worthiness. Deuteronomy says this, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who does not show partiality or take a bribe. Peter understood this, that God's favor was not limited to the nation of Israel whenever he spoke to Cornelius the Gentile. And he says this, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears him does what is right and is welcome to him. God, God does not receive face. God judges each man's work without, with impartiality, which means God does not have favorites. God does not have, there are not two separate laws in God's kingdom. There are, there are now, right? If you're a politician or a celebrity, regardless of what aisle you're on, well, you have special favors when it comes to the courtroom that I don't have. All right? I mean, I've been to court three times and was guilty three times. Didn't help me none. Being a still helps you none at all in, in this county, okay? Doesn't help you at all. God says, when you stand before me one day, I don't have favorites in my, in my family. I don't. God is impartial, which means this. Now listen, this is what's important. Listen to what one scholar says. God's impartiality is an honest appraisal of things while his heart is always with his child and goes out to him with a spirit of love. Now think about that. When you think about judgment, what do you think about? I don't think of good things, do you? All right? Now notice this verse on the screen. This is going to help you. Paul talking about one day we lay on the foundation of Jesus. You're either building wood, hay, or stubble, right? And that one day the fire is going to test our works. I've heard a lot of bad sermons on this. And then he says their work will be shown for what it is. Look, your work will be shown for what it is. You can't change what your work is just because you stand before God. It is what it is, Okay. Because the day will bring, bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire, and this is the key word, the word test is, is the key word, okay? The word test, there, Paul could have used one of two words. One of the words means this. It means to put to the test in order to discover what evil or good they may be in the person, okay? I'm going to put you to the test to see what, whether it's bad or whether it's good. I, even if I, I'm going to find the bad in it. It's kind of like if you get pulled over by local law enforcement on 6490. Guess what, guess what the problem is? Okay, They're going to pull you over and probably say you're speeding. They're probably not going to pull you over and go, you're a good driver. <laughs> or they're not going to pull you over and say your car is clean. The inside of your car is clean. Okay? They're not going to say that. All right? Their job is not to pull you over and cheer you on. Okay? That word test is different. That's what it means. 
that one day you're going to stand before God and He's looking for the good in you. Think about that for a minute. Look at the Greek word. He will judge us in order to find something good. Look. He's, he's going to judge you in order to find something good, which means your, your life really has a stink. <laughs> Not to get some kind of praise from the Lord. Okay? He is going to judge us in order to find something good for the purpose of determining each believer's reward. You're standing before your Father. God knows all about you. Okay? He knows everything about you. He knows your struggles. He knows how hard it is for some of you just to get to church. All right? Have you ever woke up and said, it's easier for me just to sleep in? <laughs> A lot of you do. All right? But you go anyway. Do you think God takes that lightly? I don't. Some of you, listen, when you give to this church, it's so hard for you to give. All right? Do you think God's going to take that lightly? He's not. He's going to judge you one day and look at the good that he can bring praise out of. Is that not a blessing? Is that, that's why Jesus can say this. If one of my disciples are going to share the gospel and they're thirsty and you give them a cup of cold water, oh, I'm going to bless you. Right? I've heard some bad sermons on these, these, these texts. Probably preach some. One day you're going to stand before your God, who is your, who is your Father, and He's going to judge your works, okay, to find out what is good. In other words, He will judge us in order to find something good for the purpose of determining each believer's rewards. And that leads me to the third, third point. God will judge our works. Notice the verse. I think I have it on the screen. Nope, go back. I'm sorry. It says this in verse 17. And if you call on God the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, which means this, I'm going to stand before God based on my work, you're going to stand before God based on your work, okay? Each one's work, that's the Bema seat. God will judge believers, each one. If God has not called or equipped you to do something, then don't do it. That's not your work, Right? If God has not called you to be an overseas missionary, why would you go? If God has not called you to preach, don't preach. Amen? If God has not called you to sing, do us all a favor. Just, just, just help us out here. Okay? Just don't sing. Don't feel bad about it. That's not what God's called you to do. Why would you do it if he's not called you to do it? But if he's called you to do it, why would you not? Because even your worst efforts, he's going to look at it and bring good out of it. Even, even the most feeble efforts that you give. That's what the Bible says. He's going to look at it and bless it. So what are these works? Think about your spiritual gifts. Notice on the screen. Ephesians 2 says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Which means this, God has made you in such a way Okay, you have certain desires. You have you, you have a there's in, within you as a Christian. There's a purpose. I don't know what it is for you. Okay, but whatever it is, God has made you in in such a way you should do it. I'll just use these for example. Okay, I think teaching in school has to be a calling. This has to be. God ain't called me to do that. I mean, I would go and be a lunchroom buddy for thirty minutes, and it asked me to stay longer. I'd say, Are you crazy? <laughs> I'll stand here with these kids. All right. 
I mean, I'm not doing it. Being a paramedic, I'm not your guy. I'm not your guy. I'm terrible in stressful situations. I think I told I told a Wednesday night Bible study, the last wreck I was in, I was on uh, 6490 cutting there, right there at Royal Comfort, you know, that bad intersection, young boy. I'm turning right, it's busy. I look up my rearview mirror and I said, I don't think he's going to stop, you know. And then he hits, he barely hits me and then T-bones an elderly lady. Knocks her up off the curb, okay. Cars are going everywhere. I get out of the car, run across the road, and the guy says, oh, no, you think she's hurt? I said, there's nothing wrong with her. I looked in her, there's nothing wrong with her. He says, you think not? He says, who are you? I said, I'm a pastor. He says, you think you might ought to pray? I said, let's pray. We prayed. First responders get there. First responders get there. Preacher, what happened? Dude hits me, hits this lady. How is she? Oh, I think she's all right. I looked at her. I said, I think she's all right. You know, she's going, <laughs> all right. You know what they did? They cut her out of the car. Cut her out of the car, right? I go to the hospital two days later because she couldn't be seen the first day. And she, and she had like a punctured lung, three broke ribs. What I'm saying is this, I'm not your guy. Okay, put a little Macira comb on it, Grandma always say. You'll be fine, all right? You remember that orange stuff they'd wipe on you that didn't work, by the way? I'd go to school looking like an orange uh, Cheeto or something, okay? But, but God has called people to do that, right? From, from birth, God has made you that way. Then you should do it, okay? God's called me to do what I do. I can't do anything else. I just can't do anything else. That's what he's called me to do. And if God has called you to do it, just do that. Look, but each one, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And there are, diff, there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in you. Which means this, whatever God has gifted you to do, and there are a lot, you say, well, I just do this. Well, good, do it. That's what God's called you to do. Don't try to, don't, don't try to be something you're not. If it's a square peg in a round hole, that's not what God's called you to do. Your, your spiritual gifts will flow. Okay? Did the choir not sound good this morning? If I could sing even as a pastor, I'd be in the choir. But I'm doing y'all a favor. Okay? I'm not going to do it. All right? I hadn't been made that way. But if you have, then do it. There's, think about the gifts that God gives you, which means this. Diversities of activities, which means... God is going to bless one gift one way and one gift the other. There are people in here who have the gift of evangelism, but you're never going to reach the people Billy Graham has because God had that, that for Billy Graham. And don't try to be Billy Graham. Just don't try to be him. Hey, I got buddies that preach at churches that run 3,000. I don't ever want to pastor a church that runs 3,000. If this church ever got up to 3,000, I'm retiring. Okay, Just too much. Some people can handle that. Some people can't. God hasn't made me that way. Okay? And I'm not worried about it. Do what God has called you to do. Whatever it is. If God has called you and led you to pass out bulletins, then why don't you do it for the glory of God? And you're going to stand before God one day, and you're going to be just as blessed as anybody that preaches a, a sermon or anybody that teaches a class. Some of you teach, and you say, well, my class isn't so big. Well, that's how, that's how God wants it. So you're teaching a class. That's amazing. That is, that is huge. Just to teach a class is unbelievably a huge responsibility, regardless of the age. There are people right now in extended session, okay, with your kids. Do you know what I've never done here? Extended session. You know what I'll never do here? Extended session. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do it, okay? But thank you for doing it, amen? 
You say, well, I can do that. Well, do it for God's glory. Each one's work, God will evaluate it and bless you for it. Think about that. Think about, and I've talked about this already before, but what about, what about just being generous? Listen to what Solomon says. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, he says this. Notice the words he used, command. Command those who are rich. And you say, well, I'm not rich. If you have a car, you're better off than the majority of the planet. If you have running water, you're better off than the majority of the planet. If you have food every day, you're better off than the majority of the planet. Okay? That's what he means. He don't mean that you're richer than this other person. All right? Think about this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. What Paul is telling Timothy is, and it's true to us today, it's so uncertain, is it not? Our wealth, our wealth can be here today and gone tomorrow. He says this, but put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, which means this, if, if God has blessed you and you want to go on vacation, why would you not? If you want to live in a certain type house, there's nothing wrong with that. It's better to give your money uh, to, to bricks than to the government, right? I would. God don't care what kind of car you drive. It's for your enjoyment, all right? They don't. But he also goes on to say this, what Paul says. He says, command those. He says, enjoy what you have. Enjoy it. Nothing wrong with that. Command them to do good, though. Do good. Be rich in good deeds. Do good for people. Man, is life not hard enough on this planet? You don't realize the impact you can have on a person's life by doing one good deed for that person. And oftentimes that involves finances. Okay? Oftentimes it involves finances. And be generous and willing to share. In this way, you or they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. You know what Paul's saying? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Hey, you should invest. You should save. You should try to get out of debt. You should. But in that, you should also be rich in good deeds. And for all of us, it's going to be different what that looks like. It's going to be so different. And he says, so that they may take hold of the life that truly is life. Just having stuff is not life. That iPhone 14 Pro Max y'all just bought, 15's coming out. <laughs> then the 16, all right? It's just, it just is, okay? Things wear out, but, that, but when you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, that never goes away. What an investment. I'm going to challenge you that way to be that kind of person. To be that kind of person that is good, rich, in good deeds. And you'd be amazed, I think, when we, I think we'll be amazed when we get to heaven that these small little things that you do for people adds up big time in God's kingdom. Adds up big time. Also this, think about people that suffer. Notice what James says. He says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. That means you remain under it. That means, that means this. That's what th this is what this means. That means that word preserve means that you remain under it. It means there's pressure on you and you don't move. You're just like this. Bring it. That's what it means. Perseveres under trial. 
Which means instead of trying to get out from under it, you're just going to glorify God in it. Which means this, we're going to pray for some people here, and they're not going to be healed. They're just not. Maybe me, maybe you. But is God still God? Is he still good? Can God still heal? He can, can he not? He can. God can do miraculous things. And if, if, I, if I were determined to be sick tomorrow with whatever, and it could happen to any of us, okay? It's okay to pray, God, heal Jamie, but it's also to pray and say, God, if you don't, help him to remain under it. So many people get out, try to get out from under that trial and they just leave Jesus altogether. But what Paul says is this. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under that. You're not leaving it. You know, you know it's going to be there. It's not going anywhere. If you're, if you're smart, I've, I've been with too many people. Prayed with too many people to be healed and they just didn't get healed. Okay, It wasn't God's plan for their life. But I've seen those people remain under it having stood the test. Okay, There's that word test again. God's looking for the good in that, not the bad. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You say, well, all I've done is suffered on this planet. Well, God's going to bless you for eternity. You're going to be blessed. And I would tell you this to remain under. Don't allow Satan to steal your faith, if you will. Okay? Don't allow him to. Because some of us, who knows what's going to happen just this throughout the rest of this year. We don't know, do we? We should pray hard. We should pray for God to do things. Thank God for medicine and doctors. I mean, I'm just amazed at what people can be cured of now. But for some of us, it's not going to happen that way. And I would encourage you, if that's you, to remain under it. Don't get mad, okay? Too mad. Don't scream and yell too loud. Just trust God, amen? Just trust Him. And then finally, notice, well, I think that's the last verse, but the final thing is this. Think about this. God's going to judge you based on your spiritual gifts, your generosity, how you handle adversity. And also, I think God is going to hold us responsible and evaluate our lives. Now listen to me on how we shared the gospel. Paul told the church at Thessalonica this. He's writing to the church at Thessalonica. He says, who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Tremendous words he puts there. He says, is it not you? Is it not you in the presence of Jesus? That is coming. You know what Paul's saying? The greatest crown that I'll have are the people I led to Jesus. Now listen, who is the one person in your life that is lost, that needs Jesus, that you've shared the gospel with? See, I put that back on you. Who is, a, who is that one person that you have personally shared the gospel with? I say this, and the stats don't change much. I've been saying it for 10 years. Every year in the Southern Baptist Convention, there's about 10,000 churches. we got a lot of churches that baptize this many people. How many millions of dollars are represented in those 10,000 churches? How many church members are represented in those 10,000 churches? And not one person comes to Jesus? I think God will give an honest evaluation of those churches on Judgment Day. But, but, but let's, let's just get away from churches and let's look in the mirror. Okay? When is the last time you shared your faith with a lost person? When is the last time? You say, well, I have and they didn't respond. You're not responsible for that. You can't make converts. You can make disciples but not converts. But you can share the gospel. 
You know how many people shared with me? I was a tough, I was a tough one. All right. How many churches prayed for Jamie Steele on Wednesday night prayer prayer meetings? A bunch. I didn't know it at the time, but a bunch. Okay, I'm glad they didn't give up. Amen. And I would encourage you not to give up. Because God will even bless your prayers and your persistence in their lives. Okay? I want you to stand with me, if you will. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And as they come, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes just in a moment of prayer? And I would say this to you, just in this quiet moment, that judgment day is coming, and I would encourage you to get busy. Do what God has called you to do, and do it with joy, and do it with urgency. And ask yourself this question, is God, is God my Father? Is God my Father? And if He's not, He can be today. Call upon Him. Admit your need for Jesus. Confess that you're a sinner and place your faith and trust in the resurrected Christ. On Judgment Day, are you going to be commended or condemned? Paul says, today is a day of salvation. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for your word. Lord, I want to thank you that one day I'll stand before my Father and be judged. Lord, you, you know me better than anybody. You're the only one who has the right to evaluate my life and my works. And I'm so thankful that you're going to do it impartially, accurately, and faithfully. Father, I just pray that I'd be pleasing to you in your sight. Father, help us today to make a commitment to please our Father. That is all, just to please our Father. And then, Lord, my prayer goes out to those who may be here today who's never placed their faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray that through the Holy Spirit, through preaching, through singing and praying, that, Lord, today would be their day of salvation. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you. This altar is open if you need it. If not, you can pray there in your pews. Thank you.
thank you so much for being here today. And like I say at the end of every service, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus and you'd like to talk to myself or one of our staff, we're available after church. Our numbers are in the bulletin, and we're really easy to get a hold of. God bless you. I hope you have a great Sunday afternoon and hope to see you back here tonight. And remember, no adult Bible study. God bless you. Thank you.